Welcome to Marketecture, where you can get smart fast with in-depth interviews of leading technology executives. I'm Ari Paparo. I'm joined today by Drew Stein, the CEO of Audigent. Drew, thank you for being here. Appreciate the invitation to be on the podcast. Excited to be here. So quickly, what is Autogen? We'll go into more detail, but why don't you get us started? Autogen certainly started off as what we thought was going to be a next-gen DMP. But over the years, the product has really evolved and we've become what's certainly in the industry, the leading data curation, activation, and identity platform. So it's been an exciting run. And for us, that transformation seemed pretty natural as the business evolved. I certainly know how we were able to see certain trends and then stay ahead of them with the, with the product. You're right. So curation, activation, we'll go into those in some depth. Yeah. Why don't you start by telling us about the company, its size, location, sure. what funding you've taken? Yeah. So company's based in New York. That's where our headquarters is. We're roughly 103 people now, and we continue to grow. We've obviously been pretty public about the rocket ship growth that we've had. This year will be our third year making the Inc. 5000 and Deloitte Fast 500. Past five years, we've gone from zero to 100 plus million, and it's been a very exciting rocket ship for us. Curation products, PMPs, that's what we're, we're mainly known for in the business. And uh, that's the, the rough size of the company. Makes sense. So the elevator pitch here, like if you wanted to explain this yeah. to your grandmother, is sort of like you yeah. help publishers to organize their data and then sell it through this private market yeah. deals. Yeah. The easy way to think about it is there's an old way and there's a new way. The old way was DMP segments. If you were an owner of a data asset, you would put it in some kind of segment, you would then share that segment in a DMP marketplace or directly with the DSP, and they would use that, that DMP segment in their demand-side platform, their DSP, to address open exchange inventory. Well, lo and behold, that's going to go away. That's going to break or it's going to lose somewhere between 70 and 80% of its efficacy over the next couple of years, this year being a massively transitional year for data through the the buy side, data the old way. And what we've pioneered over the last five years is data the new way, which is to take that rich data signal and activate it through the supply path by putting together a package, curating a package of data and inventory combined and providing it back to brands and media agencies in an easy to buy PMP versus a old way, a DMP segment. Right. That's really what we've innovated. That's the product. And that's the big difference. An old way and a new way. The old way, all the data went through the buy side. The new way, the data is going through the supply path. And it's really been a game changer for how brands and media agencies activate data. That explanation, I don't think my grandma could have figured it out, but it was pretty close. <laughs> that was, I was as close as you could get to grandma level. So let's break it down. What? How do you help yeah. them? Sure. I assume the publisher has to put a tag on their page, right? Every, all great ad tech stories start the same way. Yeah. Right. And then how do you help them curate the data? Yeah. So kind of three big buckets of data that we have. We have that DMP footprint. So our, our code is live across over 2 million websites, mobile sites, mobile apps, big premium content publishers. So yes, that code on page is, and, and our Hadron ID is central to how we aggregate data verified opt-in data from all of our pubs, how we work together with them then to create interesting taxonomy and put it in a place where it can be distributed and, and activated through the supply path. We have a second part of our stack, which is contextual. 
there's kind of two parts to that. One is more of a, a 2.0 contextual stack. And then second is a, what we call a, or most people call that a semantic stack versus a lexicographical. So a semantic based contextual stack. And then second to that, we've built a predictive stack. So we're able to take first party data and project it against contextual signal. And we call that cognitive. So that kind of big contextual bucket is the middle part of our stack. And then we have the third part of our data assets or the data assets we have with major partners. So as much as we're a data company, we're also a data infrastructure company providing that PMP infrastructure for other major data partners, Experian, Axiom, Epsilon, Comscore. We have a host of, of major data partners that we have collaborated with making their data sets, their assets available and purchasable through these PMPs as well. Got it. Okay, so publisher taxonomy is a really important part of this because that's effectively what they're going to sell. Do they come up with it or is it automatically generated by AI or does it correspond with the IAB categories? Walk me through that a little bit. Yeah, certainly we have IAB categories that are standard. I think that's kind of table stakes for any data company, but then a ton of what we do is custom based on a brand, a product, a specific media activation or channel that they're pursuing, even down to the campaign level. So one of the differences between what it is that we do and maybe some of the people we compete with is we spend an awful lot of time with our partners from a kind of a basic strategy perspective, figuring out by brand, by product, by campaign, what it is that we need to create for those audiences, and then driving custom taxonomy around that. And does the publisher have to classify their pages or is it automatic? Like, let's say I'm a publisher who wants, I don't know, automotive, and I want to have all the pages about Toyota in a deal. How does your technology actually do that? Yeah. So it's turnkey and we do all of it. So the same way we do it for contextual. I mean, we, before building our contextual stack, we were building it for the data that we were ingesting. And and that's something that we've been building for, I mean, really since, since the very start of the company, focusing on high performing taxonomy. I just want to understand, though, when you say it's turnkey, does yeah. that mean you have people doing it for the customer or does the machine no, do it? Autom- yeah, the machine does it. Yes. And how, how fast does a new page go, come into the index? It's pretty fast. We're adding new taxonomy daily. We're also updating our taxonomy daily with all of our publishers. So it's obviously there's a lot of compute power that goes into something like that. It's not sure. endless. It's not real time. It's not hourly, but it's certainly something that we do on a, on a daily basis. Got it. And, and so let's talk about your the Epsilon and other partners. I think you mentioned yeah. Epsilon. Yeah. So well, I, I'm not sure I fully understood that. Yeah. Walk me through what that means exactly. We've built a massive curation infrastructure, right? And what we do is very different. It's about optimization more than anything. You don't just take your data, clap it together with some inventory and send it out and be like, okay, now buy the PMP. It doesn't really work. It doesn't scale. I think a lot of media agencies or brands that try to use curation platforms fail quickly. They can't get it to scale or they can't get the performance. I mean, we've spent kind of five years focused on taking that rich signal that we get from that SSP partner and optimizing, right? That's like why data works through the supply path better than data through the, the buy side is because it can be optimized. Drew, there is a I'm going to interrupt you because I'm sorry, because I, I don't, I, I would hope to understand just like, what is the product? Like, how is Epsilon involved? Right. I don't understand at all. Like, is Epsilon uh, selling media or selling data or buying media? Yeah. yeah. So we integrate with our all of our eight major data partners. We get their assets and then we create the the packages of data and inventory. Right. And then we optimize those 
Then we ship them to the buy side. We ship them to our partners, media agencies and brands. They buy against them. And then our stack is optimizing those campaigns while in flight. So a PMP does not work like a DMP segment. A DMP segment, you punt, it's out there. Then you kind of clean your hands, walk away. And there's no way to optimize it. There's no yeah. signal. There's no log level data. There's no event level data that you're looking at. Completely different when you're looking at sell side data. When right. you're looking at PMPs, the, the best stacks, the stacks like ours are completely focused day in and day out at optimizing the audience data, optimizing the supply path, optimizing everything from creative to pricing, you name it. We are sitting there. We have a great curation team and we have a great stack that is is balancing scale and performance and pricing. In this example, a, a yep. buyer wants to buy some data from Epsilon. They want to buy a yeah. segment of users defined by Epsilon and yeah. they want to buy it across publishers. And what Autogen is doing is is finding those users across publishers and assigning them a, a deal ID. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty rare that someone comes in and just wants to use one data company's data. Okay, right, yeah. I think what we're doing is creating these massively scaled packages of like data sets across our 1P data and also cert- certainly our data partners. We then have a healthy portion of contextual, right, that goes into that. And, and that contextual can be everything from the most basic contextual, which is things like allow list and block list, to much more sophisticated contextual or predictive audiences that we use to sculpt, right? That supply path. And then you create this package mm-hmm. and then share that back with the media agency or brand. But we don't just do that in the ether. We, we've met with the agency. We understand the campaign needs. We've looked at the audiences that they're targeting. And then we're going back. Right? We're, we're DSP agnostic. We're data agnostic. We're SSP agnostic. We are focused on what that brand or media agency needs. We're creating that package. We create the right combination of SSP partners also based on the media channels mm-hmm. and the DSP, frankly, that they're using. And then we share back that what we think is going to be the highest performing and most efficient curated marketplace of deals. And then as they buy against it, we're looking at buy side data, performance data. We're looking at that sell side signal around performance and we're using that to then optimize those deals in flight. In those activation scenarios, is Autogen yeah. selling the media and then rev sharing to the publishers? No. So we're accessing the, the media through the SSP relationship. So we're not an SSP. We don't have those direct publisher relationships for mm-hmm. inventory. Our publisher relationships are around the data and the audience. Right. So we have a fantastic network of SSP partners that we work with. We have interesting integrations that are unique to how we integrate with SSPs. We have what's called a, with our, our top partners, a RTDP or real-time data protocol integration. So instead of hosting matching tables and sh- shipping tons of data every day, we're co-locating in the same data center. We have a lightning fast sub five millisecond round trip with them. We're enriching the bid stream using our Hadron ID and using our connection to them. And then the impression is going to the to the DSP. But okay, so all, you're not part of the media transaction. You're getting paid a data fee in that scenario. Yeah, we get, well, yeah, we call it a curation fee. Okay, and then sure. the, the SSP acts essentially as that payment agent over to all of the inventory. So we're sculpting what inventory goes into it, mm-hmm. but it's the SSP that we partner with that that actually winds up 
paying out that inventory. So DSP pays SSP. Yeah. SSP pays, he pays you the curation pays, fee and pays correct. the pub exactly. the, what they're owed less the curation fee and the yeah, exactly. SSP fee. Yeah, that makes total sense. And in that, in that case, are you only working with the publishers who have your tag on the page and are your customers for their curation? Yeah, totally independent. Yeah, certainly we do. Like there's a, a great benefit of being both our DMP partner and a pub that's in that network because you can benefit twice, right? It's a publisher can benefit in their left and right pockets, but no, it's not necessary. We have plenty of publishers that we are only working with on the data side. And then we have plenty of publishers that we're only working with on the inventory side. I see. Okay. Let's talk about how a publisher who's using on the data side activates. Well, they, they don't, they really don't activate. We're the ones that are. Yeah. So it's pretty simple. Like we don't charge SAS fees. Mm -hmm. We just write our pub partners checks. It's pretty good deal, right? Most okay. of them have spent years paying these massive SAS fees out to DMPs. We came in and said, you know what? Nobody wants to pay for this anymore. How about this? Let's rev share and we'll cut you checks. And that's the way it's worked. So we have a big sales team. We're out there direct with the media agency and brand selling, mm-hmm. understanding those needs, putting together those custom packages. And then once all of that media and data is purchased and activated, monetized. The SSP cuts the pub the check. We cut the data partner the check. Right. So what about in the case where the publisher has very valuable first-party data they want to sell themselves or put into a, a PMP themselves? Does your technology help with that? Yeah, they're welcome to do it. And and oftentimes our pubs are coming to us and we're helping them to do it and even in their co-selling together. So we're always, always happy to do that. We have GAM integrations that make it easy for them to do that, of course, from our DMP, tr- more traditional mm-hmm. functionality of what a DMP has. But the, the promise of what we built was not that we built something that was like a traditional DMP. It just wasn't. Right. So the most of the traditional DMPs solely focused on that use case where they were, hey, you can use our DMP to segment your data. Then you could, through a GAM integration, you could package it up and put it into PMPs. Like, we certainly do that, but we make our partners way more money by packaging it up ourselves and selling it direct. Yeah. No, I, I totally understand that. I was just under the impression that first-party publisher contextual data, first-party segments was part of the curation and that that would allow yeah. the publishers to then sell it themselves in some way. They can. They certainly can. Some of them do. We've got great partners like Fandom as an example of a, of a DMP partner who takes that signal and creates packages themselves and they're mm-hmm. able to to ship it. And then because we create our own demand, our own unique demand, it certainly doesn't compete with them and we're happy to package it up and Got hey, it. they can make money any which way, which is which is great. I mean it, that's certainly what our job is. Is there any overlap between what you're doing and the IAB standard for I guess public publisher defined audiences? That's the way publishers are supposed to be sending contextual and other audiences to the buy side. We certainly have run a whole bunch of POCs. We've done all of that. It's just not scaled from what we see at this point. It's not scaled in a way that drives exciting revenue. We certainly do it if, if that's what we're asked to do. But our pubs like big checks. at the we're, we're, When you're in a rev share relationship with them, you're actually judged by the revenue that you drive for them. Like when you're in a SaaS relationship, hey, pay our SaaS fee, then you could take a big step back and you don't wash your hands of it and walk away. If our pubs don't like our quarterly, monthly checks, they, they turn us off 
So yeah. we, we have to sing for our supper and we better make sure that it's interesting. So something that doesn't scale isn't something that we focus on much. If that were to scale successfully in the future, of course, we'd be all over it. But as of today, we haven't found the kind of success yet. Mm-hmm. I can say it won't happen. We're hopeful that it will. This is a big year of transition and maybe this is one of the areas that really heats up and is exciting. But to date, we haven't made publishers too excited about the revenue that we generate that way. So t- tell me about the Hadron ID. It's highlighted on yeah. your website. It seems to yeah. be sort of a kind of a way of identifying users across sites that's sort of a mixture of probabilistic, deterministic, whatever else you have. Hadron is a very different idea. So it's a, we look at it as a container of identity, not an actual identity itself. So instead of going to pubs post-cookie deprecation saying, hey, here's our new ID, integrate with this. We took a step back and we said, well, we think that that kind of solutioned architecture is, is just arcane compared to like where this world is heading. This is not going to work. So we said, what would it be like to create essentially a, a container ship and fill it up with deterministic, probabilistic, predictive audience data, any signal that we had fidelity in that moment, and then compress and code into a single identifier that identifier could be one to one, it could be one to 30, it could be one to 2 million in a single Hadron ID and kind of bend the rules around what identity was. So while everyone else was trying to solve the cookie-less future with one to one identity, we said it's just not necessary to drive efficacy performance. One to many and predictive audience is going to only get more and more sophisticated we stand by everything we've said. We think the probabilistic and predictive audience data of tomorrow will outperform deterministic identity of today. We believe that. And we created essentially a container ship and then went to our SSP partners and said, okay, now build a port, right? Don't integrate like this. We sent them a spec and say, give us a port where this container ship can, can park and then we can unpack the ship or give us the ability to translate that Hadron ID into segmentation that we already have with you. And that's when we, you know, with RTDP, with that real-time data integration, we we flexed hard. Uh, metaphors aside, I'm trying to f- kind of get my head around what this is. So uh, you have a user who's going to a website, you have a Hadron ID, and that's now linked, it's the ship. You're linked to a bunch of other IDs. Well, it could, it could have determinist, like where we have a UID 2.0, yeah. It's on. It's in one of the containers where okay. we have another deterministic ID. It's in the container where there's contextual signal. It's in the container where right. there's a predictive signal. It's in the container. And then the SSP is the port. So you're basically saying, okay, it pre-bit is loading. It's time to make a request to a given SSP. Who knows? Index doesn't matter. Yeah. And now your ship has some intelligence that says. Here's the subset of all the IDs we're going to send to index because yeah, close. We so, want so to we optimize. Take that, think of Hadron like that a long string of identifiers uh-huh. that gets smashed into a single identifier, uh-huh. and then we just say, "Hey, it's Hadron ID one two three four, or it's segment one two three oh, four. I see. And then how does that help on the buy side? Why does the buy side know what Hadron ID means? Yeah. So if there's a buy side integration to the DSP, they might know it, but then we can unpack the container ship for any of the SSP. So the SSP is then sending signal back to the buy side and they're sending any number of signals back to the buy side. So, so. Yeah, because yeah. they know what the buyers want. So they may, if the Hadron ID has a UID2 and the trade desk is the buyer, they're going to send that. And Google wouldn't take a UID2, so you send them something else. 
Correct. And if it's just contextual signal, it's just contextual signal. Mm-hmm. But it allows us very quickly, right? So we have these massively scaled PMPs. It gives us a very quick shorthand with our SSP partners to say, hey, this person is in these 60 different PMPs. And that this person doesn't have to actually be one-to-one. That could mm-hmm. be one-to-many. It can be two million people that could be in that bucket of this person. Mm-hmm. And it still goes to those IDs. So it still goes to that PMP. So it was just a very efficient way for us to, to signal quickly, mm-hmm. especially when you're trying to enrich the bid. You have to be lightning fast. You have to get sub five milliseconds right. in order to, to, to make that round trip. So being perfect and being one-to-one is, is very limiting. Being one-to-many and using a probabilistic, you can have tremendous efficacy around that media buy and drive value, scale, performance, and not necessarily have to be limited by, do I have this identity or that identity in the stack? So we like to be interoperable with everybody. We don't really have a horse in the race. We don't care who wins the identity game. We care about making sure that our brand and media agency partners yeah. can buy at scale and drive value and performance for their media dollars. That's what we see our job is. If we can get a deterministic match in there, awesome. But it's not necessary in order to, to drive success in campaigns. Great. So you mentioned that you work with many of the top publishers. Do you, do you name drop a couple? Just for reference. Yeah. So Condé Nast, Penske, H360, Fandom, Warner, Universal. We were really lucky the first investor in our company was Warner Music Group, and we did a massive integration with them. And from there, we were we were able to to grow substantially. I think Conde was was only a year into the company, and then we kind of started in that entertainment, lifestyle, luxury area, and then we expanded from there. So, what what's the nature of the relationships in terms of annual contracts, minimums? It's a rev share, but what's the sure. what's the commitment level? Yeah, so we certainly for products like PMPs have exclusive relationships with a lot of our partners, but we don't have minimums. We don't have like the same way we we don't have SaaS fees. There's no commitment. We have a great relationship with them because we show up once a month or once a quarter, depending on the partner. It's like, do you like the check? If you like the check, we continue in business. It doesn't preclude them from working with other DMPs, other data companies. We're happy for them to have at it. Like I said, because we create our own demand, we're in a unique position to monetize data for them. Let's go to a lightning round. Some quick questions with relatively quick answers. Close this up. What's your number one competitive advantage? Our optimization stack. There's no one out there who takes signal from the buy side or the sell side when a PMP is in flight and optimizes it better to drive value and performance for a brand. What is your number one market challenge? Uh, If someone gave me a magic wand, I would say the same thing every time. All I care about is that the product roadmaps of our partners align with our product roadmap. And for us, we are fundamentally a product-driven company. We are interoperable and we rely on a lot of the ecosystem partners we have where you invest heavily in our stack. And what we want more than anything is for them to be side-by-side. And when we're ready to go on a product, they're lockstep with us. So to me, that's the biggest challenge, which is making sure that we're a top priority for all of our partners. What stops the big guys like Google, Amazon, et cetera, from crushing you? We're partners with both. So I, I think 
we do something that's still unique in the marketplace. We've helped almost all of the, actually all of the major SSPs build their curation stacks and get into curated marketplaces. And I mean, both Google and Amazon are great partners. Both are examples of, of great partners that when we're making money together with them and growing this curation ecosystem together. All right, last question. If Autogen was an animal, what animal would it be? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're dragons. We have been from day one. We're unapologetically uh, ambitious about how we've approached the business, how we grow. We have been as aggressive in market as any company has been, and that's kind of what's propelled us from zero to 100 million in the last five years. So we're very excited about that, but that's it. We live and breathe the fire that we put out there in our products. Dragons don't rev share, though, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's call it on that. Drew from Autogen, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Ari. Thanks for listening. New interviews are added every week at Marketecture.tv and your favorite podcasting app.